as you pray with me. Father, we acknowledge your spirit is here with us. You can sense, you can sense him. So we just ask you to have your way in this room. We pray that we would truly come to you this day from our knees in a posture of humility, in a posture of us being grateful that you are God and we're not. And that is a good thing. We are grateful that you're the king. Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples? If you don't know the words, they'll be on the screen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. So welcome. Merry Christmas Eve. You know, I was reminded recently, uh, we had a guest here, and uh, this guest uh, serves the Lord in a different country. And it's a country where you could not do this. Uh, no matter where you are in the room tonight, and there's lots of guests, if you, if you believe in Jesus, if you put your trust in God, or you're not really so sure, or you might feel a very different way about it, the fact that you can get together and do this is really unique. So just want to be grateful for that tonight. So we're grateful you're here. If you are a guest, if you're from far away, glad you're here. If you're usually here, I've seen a lot of people. Hey, it is good to see you. Glad to be together. And those who are afar, uh, in different places, hopefully in warmer places uh, or in snowier places, I guess, uh, our weather's kind of in between today. So we bless you as well. Um, but welcome. Uh, I want to start tonight. We're, we're coming at, if you're, if you're a guest, we're coming at the Christmas season, Advent, a little differently. Uh, we read what you would typically hear on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, the idea of Jesus coming as a baby, and we'll talk about that, but we've been doing it different this year at Third Church. We're coming at Advent through what's called the Book of Isaiah. So if you're familiar with that, um, great. If not, I'll try to explain a little bit. So Advent is this season where it's supposed to prepare us for Christmas. So like all good things, uh, the end, the, the, the big moment, if there's a, a time of preparation before, it makes it different. So we've been trying to, as a third church family, prepare ourselves for Christmas so it could be a little bit different this year. That it might reorient us as we move into a new year. So we've been using this phrase quite a bit uh, this last month. Um, we've been longing, as a third church family, to create opportunities for the one who is holy, that's Jesus, to break into our normal, ordinary lives. Because we think that he longs to come to us and work within us and change us and impact the places where we live, where we work, uh, our homes, our schools, all those places. He, he longs to do that. But we are so busy and so distracted, he oftentimes does not get to. So we've been trying to create space to do that. You see, Advent celebrates a couple of arrivals. That's what it means. Advent means arrival. So Jesus arrived once as a baby. We believe Jesus is going to arrive again as a king, King Jesus. And he's going to speak words and everything's going to be made right. But in between those two places, he arrives within us and to us. Not just once. I think Jesus 
keeps showing up by his spirit and he keeps showing up and he keeps changing us. So we've been trying to figure out how do we live in the middle of those two moments in a way where he can break in and he can use us and, and we can be used by him and we can change the world around us. So we've been trying to do it through two different ways. One is finding quiet, just so you know. We've been practicing being quiet. We've been practicing silence, which some people think makes you feel a little bit weird. And it's really hard to do, especially in December, to actually stop, to actually slow down, to pay attention to what God is trying to do, takes pursuit. So we've been saying, can we find quiet? So we have in service paused. If you've been here, you know that. We've sat in total silence. We created a devotional that hopefully would help you create some quiet. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't do it every day, just so you know. We don't always get it right. We've also had some worship and prayer nights just to be quiet before the Lord. So we as a people are trying to pursue being quiet, which is really challenging. The second thing we've done this series is we have tried to practice radical generosity. In a time of year, I mean, we're kind of generous right now, but sometimes we have ulterior motives like tax breaks and all kinds of things, right? I understand. What would it look like to be genuinely generous? So we took some of our Thanksgiving offering and we did what's called a reverse offering in week one. Can you actually give me, give me slide number uh, four? This is what we've been doing throughout Advent. So we shared our money. So we gave, if you were here that day, we gave you $20. And I should ask two questions. God, who should I give this to? And God, how could I grow it? And there's been lots of really fun stories. Some are big, some have to do with thousands of dollars. But I heard one that I thought, I don't know, feels like something that could happen to each of us. So someone received that money, prayed about it, said, God, who do I give it to? Thought She thought of someone, set up a coffee with them, had coffee, grew the money to a different amount, and said to this person, hey, we did this at church. They gave me money. I think I'm supposed to give it to you. And that person said, I actually was trying to buy some presents. And they gave the exact dollar amount that they needed. That's something only God would do. So we shared our money in week one. So if you have a story, would you share it? You know, Jesus said, like, let your light shine. Don't hide it. I know it feels like bragging. It's not bragging. Unless your heart thinks it is, I guess. But it's just, it encourages us. So please share those stories. Week two, we shared our resources. We partnered with the Pellet Community Food Shelf. We brought tons of food. The food, the stage was lined with food. It was so fun to partner with them, to learn about them, go see their new space. The thing I really loved was watching families come down and drop off food. There was a little extra pep in people's steps that day. Just big smiles on their face. Did you know it's fun to be generous? Did you know that? Did you, yeah, come on. Did you know that? It's fun to be generous. It's fun to be generous. All right. Jeez. So it's fun. And there was just joy in this place, practicing being generous. Then last week, we did something a little bit different. We shared our grief. Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Did you know if you're in grief and you don't share your mourning, people cannot comfort you? So as an act of generosity, we connect each other on deeper levels. We see we're not the only ones going through the same thing. So we shared our grief. We thought, how, how are we better neighbors? How do we see the people around us 
in what is always said the most wonderful time of year, it is not always. How do we see people? First three weeks. This week, we're gonna share our light, all right? And I'm gonna say one thing. My kids are here in the room, so if your kids are a little unruly today, that's totally fine, all right? We'll roll with it. I, we should have some crayons up here or something. There is a lot of room up here, though, if people want to come up here and sit. The whole first couple rows. Anyways, so tonight we're going to share lights. So we're using these passages in Isaiah because they are people who were in Advent as we're waiting between those arrivals. These, the people in Isaiah are waiting, longing for God to show up in powerful ways. And he's not showing up in the ways that they think or when they think he should. So that's why we're going to sit in this passage. So today we're going to be in Isaiah 9. Can you give me slide number two? Isaiah 9. That's our Christmas Eve text. And then we're going to jump to Isaiah 52. That's our Christmas Day text. And we're going to bridge those things using these three phrases. Give me slide number three. See light. Isaiah 9. If we see light, Isaiah 52, we can receive light. And if we have received light, we have got to share it. I mean, it's so good. You have to share it. And then to conclude, I'm going to give you three ideas. These are three things that you, I hope we all will do as we gather with our families and friends over the next few days. Give me slide five. How are we going to share light? I'm going to ask you to tell them something. I'm not sure how you're coming into your family gathering. You might need to forgive them. Or simply, would you just be with them? So we're going to try to be, take the passage and make it really practical that we can actually practice over the next couple of days, okay? Are you with me? I don't believe that, all right. Isaiah 9. If you want to turn your Bible, page number will be on the screen. You can use your devices if you want. I prefer pages, so I know when you're there. But I don't hear many pages, so I'm just going to start. Isaiah 9, we're going to read verses 2 through 7. Hear the word of the Lord. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning. It'll be destroyed. It'll be fuel for the fire. Why? For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. People of God, it's the word of God. Did you see light in the passage? It starts out there, right? We're gonna come back to it. It's interesting in this passage that there's a king mentioned. Did you catch all that at the end? So there's wars are put to end. Why? Because there's a king on the throne. And this king is incredible. He is wonderful. That means like you can't even, you can't even speak about him. He's so incredible. You, you, there aren't even words to describe. He is counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. This king is amazing. And this king will bring justice and will bring righteousness. 
Now that justice, I've said this before, is different than how I would think. It's not vengeful. It isn't give them what they get. You might get what you get. But the idea of justice in these pages is that justice is meant to restore something. Justice is supposed to restore something to how it was originally intended to be. So people, if if justice happens to you, it's supposed to make you into who God made you to be, who he wants you to be. We should should all long for that kind of justice. He's gonna do that. Everything will be restored under the reign of this king. And he's also gonna restore righteousness, which we say is right relationships. So this king that he's talking about is so good. He's going to restore everything and things are going to be in right relationship with God and with people and with nature. Everything's going to be right. That's the king he's talking about. You know, this was read as a coronation text over kings of Israel, as well as perhaps alluding to Jesus. Some kings did more of that than others, but this was, yes, it's about Jesus. It's also about how people who follow Jesus should live. They should be a people who provide justice and righteousness. Problem though, back to the beginning of the text, verse two. In the moment, people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. So that king, at this time, has not fully arrived yet. Remember how he said Advent? Jesus came. Jesus is coming. His kingdom is coming. Jesus said that quite a bit. But here we are in the middle where light and darkness seem to coexist for a time. So these people reading this are actually really fearful because there is a kingdom called Assyria and they are systematically taking over their region. So they are afraid because another power is gonna come and take them over and they were right. It happened not once, twice. They lived in darkness and Isaiah is saying, but there's light. Can you see it? Let's jump to Isaiah 52. I said this last service. Do you believe there's light and darkness? Do you? In the darkest moments, in the worst moments, there is always some light. It's hard to see. Can you see it? How do you get rid of darkness? How do you get rid of darkness? Someone yell it out. You turn on the lights. Fine, sometimes I like to, I want to fight darkness, right? Don't you want to hit darkness? Don't you want to do something that darkness? How do you get rid of darkness? You have to turn on the lights, which means you have to see the light. There is always light. Will we see it? 
Because if we see it, we can receive it. Isaiah 52, verse 7. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, God's people, your God reigns. Listen, your watchmen who are looking, watchmen lift up their voices. Together they shout for joy because they see the runner. When the Lord returns to Zion, they will see it with their own eyes. Burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nations and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. Since Isaiah 9, the people have gotten bad news over and over and over and over and over. It would be weird for the watchmen who are watching to think, oh great, here comes the runner. Let's burst into song. It's gonna be good news. No, they would not think that. They've been conquered again and again. They got to go home, but their lives are in ruins. Why would they assume it's good news to actually see the runner? Perhaps a little better interpretation, I think for me, of that passage. Give me verse six. So the runner comes, he proclaims good news, he proclaims peace, he brings good tidings, he proclaims salvation. It would read more like slide number six, please. They see someone and the messenger who arrives, shocking, is the bearer of good news and he proclaims peace. He's a bearer of good news, he proclaims salvation. Those are, how would you describe peace or salvation to somebody? What do you think? Content? So peace, I always think of an absence of war, an absence of conflict. That's, what you, that's like the outcome. Why is there an absence of war, an absence of conflict, an absence of injustice, an absence of unrighteousness, why? because someone is there who makes it happen. There is someone present who makes it peaceful. There is peace when God is there. One of my favorite versions or uh, summarizations of the gospel is just that uh, God's in charge and you can trust him. It's kind of a hard one, though, right? When you're living in the land of darkness, looking for light, God's in charge, and you can trust him. I say I've been, had the honor to watch some people in our church family sit in darkness and trust and be peaceful in a way that transcends understanding. It's in here, too. When God is present... Somehow, there's peace. That's what the messenger says. And then he says, there's also salvation. I was thinking about salvation. How would I say, for me today, did you know you need to be saved? Did you know you need some help?
I do. When I look at my life, my day, and I look at the things I do my own power, I need help. Amen? When you're really in darkness, you need help. And the messenger says, good news. Someone won something, and you can have salvation. Perhaps the other side, too. I'm not sure where you are today, but not only do I need to be saved, I think sometimes we need to hear, you're worth saving. You're worth saving. You're worth saving. You're worth saving. This morning, we tried to describe to our daughters, uh, Jesus is God, and Jesus came as a baby. You ever try to do it for a five and seven-year-old? Boom! What? Exactly. What? The one who made became what he made? To pursue? To show us how to live? To show us what it means to actually truly be a human? To ha- how to love? How to forgive? How to speak? How to work? He came to show us. It's incredible. Why? Because we need help. And every one of us is worth saving. But will we receive the message? Because it has not happened yet. Not all the way. So these watchmen, the news is so good. It's so good. They burst into song. They celebrate. It is so good. Can you believe that? It's part of the mystery of when Jesus breaks into your life. So we can see light no matter what. We can then receive that light. But here's the deal. That news is so good. They couldn't help but sing. They couldn't help but worship. They couldn't help but lift their voices. So then what do we do? Give me a slide one more time. Tell them, forgive them, be with them. We have a unique opportunity right now to be with people that we're not usually with. Amen? Is anyone to see somebody they see maybe once or twice a year? Maybe three times. All right, a couple people. That's really, that's it. Man, I'm gonna see some people I don't see very often. This is the time when we gather with people we don't usually spend lots of time with. It's a unique time. How will we share light in that time? Tell them. Someone said this once and I love it. If you think the people in your life know how you feel about them, they don't. You should tell them. If you think the people in your life know how you feel, they don't. You should tell them. You could write it. You should tell it in front of other people. That's even better. Tell other people in front of that person how you actually feel about them. Jesus said, you ought to be salt and you ought to be light. What does salt do? Salt draws out what is good inside of something. It preserves. It brings out flavors. It is so good. We should be people, as we gather here in the coming days, who see good things and say, man, I love that about you. I love you. You know, I was in a text group a while back, and this per I, I can't remember who, even who texted it. It was so good, though. I've not forgotten it. He said, 
I don't tell my kids I'm proud of them anymore. Not saying that's a bad thing. I said, what do you say? I said, I tell them that I love being their dad. Why? Because I find when I said I was proud of them, it was tied to a thing. It was tied to a situation. It was tied to what they did unintentionally. It just always was. Well, then this person who I love equates my, my feeling good about them with when I do good things. So he said, I don't do it anymore. I said, I just love being your dad. So I put that into practice. That was taught to me at night. If I remember with my girls in their ear, I just tell them, I love being your dad. And even better, a while back, we were, we were having a disagreement as a family when the voices elevated and we were resolving. And I said, even, even when I'm not happy with you, I love being your dad. And just made us laugh. You have a unique chance with people you don't always see, or maybe people you do see, but you have not told them. You have an opportunity to tell them how you feel. Kids, spouses, friends, roommates, grandparents, you have a chance. Will you use it? First one. Second one, forgive them. I recognize that not all of us look forward to our family gatherings for a whole number of reasons. Could be something that you did or something that they did, but you're coming with some pain. What would it be like if before you went, you brought that thing to Jesus and you just released it? You might not be reconciled, because that takes two people, but at least as you come, you could have forgiven them and maybe you could then tell them something because you have given the gift of forgiveness. Final one. Would you just be with them? It's been said here in this room before that the first act of love is your attention. When we say love, we mean to will the good of that person. We want that person to become who they were made to be, not who I want them to be, who they were made to be by God. So the first act of moving in that direction sometimes is simply just your attention. I've told this story before. Can I just, can I? Me too. Put your phone away. Just put it away. We did a class a while back called Habits of the Household. We talked about this. And we said, what if we all tried putting our stuff in a drawer? So some people did it. And we came back the next week and several people in this class lost their phone. It happened in my household. The next day, after the phone got put in a drawer, we could not find the phone. We were searching throughout the whole house, outside, inside, in the car, looking everywhere. Where's my phone? Because it, it was a work day. Where, where's my phone? <gasps> it's in the drawer. So, and then we spent the whole day just together, but they were so disconnected from it. We could give our actual attention to the people we were with. So no matter the time, we can see light. So I don't know if you're in a season of darkness or light. 
you can always see the light. If you've seen the light, you could receive the light. We need the light. The lights need to turn on. And then we can share that light. And you have a chance right now in the coming days to share it. So I want to invite the band up. And uh, one final thought here before we worship. so in Advent, I said this, we, we celebrate his arrival, King Jesus, as baby Jesus. And he came as a baby. That's not a big light, right? That's a little bit of light, right? A baby moves from darkness to light, it's small. But somehow, here we are, still celebrating who he is. At the end, every knee will bow, every tongue confesses, Jesus Christ is the King. So we're going to sing about the front end. Then we're going to sing about the back end. And then here in the middle, we'll sing a song. You might know it's called Joy to the World. So while in between, as we wait, we can be a people who share light and who can sing about the ending, even though the middle might be tough. Amen? Let's pray. So God, I pray that we would... Hmm could somehow, would your light break into this room in a unique way? Would it break into a life in a unique way? Let's pay a special prayer for anyone in this room today who's, who's living in the land of the shadow of death. I pray in this moment they would sense your light. They'd sense your love they would somehow know that you are with them. I pray there would be unique encounters of your spirit all throughout the room. As we share this room, would you work in unique ways? But bottom line, we pray that you are glorified, that you are lifted up, that we join with the heavenly angels and sing in, all hail King Jesus.